The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at karm.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to the show. It's 12 9 uh 2022, and I hope you're all going to have a good time listening. Hope a good show. I know that uh, there's a lot of people out there driving and doing some shopping. I went out and did a little bit today, and I'll tell you, roads were packed. That's just how it goes. So if you want to talk about something, you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877 207 2276. Whew, man. Okay. So. Oh, yeah, we are doing the Rumble thing again. Just letting you guys know out there that we have uh, the Rumble. Well, it's supposed to be working, and uh, I guess it's working. So they can check, and Laura will check, and she'll let me know. We're trying to do stuff, trying to fit, uh, set things up. So I'm hoping it's all working because we're just doing new technology and everything. So we got people coming into the chat room. If you are interested in participating in that, all you got to do is go to the CARM.org website, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. And um, on the right-hand side of the home page, you'll see uh, my picture with a microphone thing on my head. And, um, and then all you got to do is click on that, and you can you can watch. You can. It's not a big a deal. I'm just sitting here in the office. But what's fun is that we have others who uh, participate in the chat room, and so uh, we have a good time with that. All right. So we got hate mail today, which I'll hopefully be doing. And also, before we get to that, I wanted to let you know that if you would consider praying for uh, the people in Nigeria. Uh, we have our meeting on Fridays, and we have a, a connection there in Nigeria. And I don't know if the news is going to cover it, but what's happened is Muslims have come into villages uh, and murdered a lot of people and then took a lot of them um, uh, captive. And then what's happened is they collected, uh, in, in this village, they collected their Bibles. And with the captured people, they took them away and um, then made a, a, a fire where they threw the, the uh, Bibles in and then uh, told these Christians that uh, if they don't repent of following Jesus and follow Muhammad, they have to say the Shahada. Uh, if they don't do that, they're going to be thrown into the same fire with the Bibles. And we're told that the Christians are renouncing their faith because of this. So in Islam, uh, the evil, evil religion that it is, uh, saying the Shahada is what uh, gets you uh, becoming Muslim. You know, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And that's the Shahada. You have to confess that. You do it publicly. And what by saying that, you're saying that the Christian God is not true. Jesus is not who he said he was, and other things. And that Muhammad is a true prophet. And Muhammad's not a true prophet. He's a false prophet. And uh, he he was an evil man, and I know that Muslims like to say that he was a good man and he's the greatest man to follow. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, he uh, he's definitely not the case. That, that's that's. Uh, I've offered to have debates on who is a better man, uh, Jesus or Muhammad. No Muslim has ever taken me up on it. And from what I understand, uh, other Christians uh, have offered to debate that very topic 
uh, and from what I've heard, uh, no Muslims ever taken him up on it. So that's not to say it hasn't happened. I'm just not aware of it. But it looks as though the Muslims will not uh, debate uh, who's a better man, Jesus or Muhammad, because there is so much bad stuff that Muhammad did. Uh, he had people killed. He had took their wives. He had uh, raids. He'd steal uh, money from people. Uh, it, you know, it's just it's just horrible uh, how this guy is, what he was. So um, there you go for that. And I guess the live stream is working. And if you could put that in the private chat so I can keep it uh, record on it, because I might be able to look. I got things going on here. All right, we have uh, four open lines. If you want to give me a call, you can. All you got to do is dial eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six, and then we can talk. Let's get on the air with. Let's see, that would be Mike from Winston Salem. Mike, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, hey, Matt. I, I had called you several uh, weeks ago um, about the gospel of the kingdom as different yep. to what the gospel is. And you, mm-hmm. you put me on a search to find out exactly what it is. And I think it's really no more complicated than a song that we sing every year called Joy to the World. You know, it says, Joy to the world, the world's come, let earth receive her king. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Uh, let men their songs employ. And then when you go through even the Old and New Testament, and it talks about, um, in Daniel, for instance, it talks about... Uh, Jesus coming up to the ancient of days and the nations will come up and 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 follow him and to me um and of course in in the new testament um in first corinthians it talks about uh Jesus is reigning now and I was listening to you the other day and you were talking about that Jesus is reigning now he's on the throne because that's what the bible says um until all his enemies are placed under his feet and I think that's the gospel of the kingdom. It, it's it's the the kingdom that um, John the Baptist announced in Matthew when he says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, and and Jesus yeah. says the same thing. So mm-hmm. I read this, and, and and as I studied this, I I I came to the conclusion that we Christians have already won the battle. The battle's won. All we got to do is get off our butts and do what the Bible tells us to do, which is to go out and win the people, disciple people, and win the, win the nations. That's which is something what I've been you're telling doing, people. So you're yeah. um, So anyway, that's what my research pointed out. I mean, you've been telling I, people I, that I for a while. On it. Mm-hmm. I, I, no, I sent you an email on it a while back. Um, that had all the passages, and there's probably a whole lot more. I, I came up with about 15 or 20 of them that, okay. to me, allude to what this gospel of the kingdom is in both the Old and the New Testament. So, and, I, and, and I'm kind of glad you put me on it, because now I've got a, a bunch of other questions that I'm having to research. Every time I research something, I come up with something else that i got to go look into. Um, That's exactly what happens to me. Is is uh, one thing usually leads to two or three others, and sometimes you just got to give up searching some of those other tangents and get back on the original. But you always learn. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. anyway, thank you for that. And uh, we Christians, as we sing that song, "Joy to the World," we need to realize that what we're doing is we're singing about the gospel. And wasn't that written by right. Isaac Watts? Didn't he write that? I have no idea. 
I have no idea. In, in, in like 17-something or other, 17-19, 17 something like that. Okay. But anyway, um, that's it. We've already we've already won the battle. Um, I think yeah. the Japanese... <laughs> the, I, I think the Japanese stole that from us. You know, the uh, the samurai believed in, a, in an old saying that said, uh, win first, fight later. That that was their motto, right. win first, fight later. So mm-hmm. we've won. All we got to do is get out there and fight. That's what I tell people. You know, when you go to Matthew 16, 18, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, what do gates do? They resist. They stand still. Right? They stand. Yeah. But that's it. They don't go out and go after you. This means we're doing the aggression, and we're going to win. I've told people this, but I've also said, because the Christians aren't doing their job, you know, they they are pacified, and they're not doing what they need to do. This is why they're having problems. This is why things are as they are. Yeah, it's bad. What, you know, what, it's frustrating. Yeah, historically, historically, what led to that? Because it used to be that the church was involved in uh, in politics and in getting you know running people for office. I mean, if you go back to where uh, you know it was like the church was the center of town, uh, where right. people met and um, decisions were made, and 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 the church was very active. And it's like in the twentieth century. We've kind of all fallen back and, like, you know, just let it go. Right. Um, well, like, here's something like that's, that, uh, check this out. This is, because uh, you talk about the, what we did as a country, what we did before. The Treaty of Paris in 1783, this treaty signed, uh, was between the American colonies and Great Britain, ending the American Revolution and formally recognized the United States as an independent nation. And here's the transcript of it the opening line. In the name of the most holy and undivided Trinity. And then it goes on. It having pleased the divine providence to dispose the hearts of the most serene and most potent Prince George the Third. And it goes on. It begins with the doctrine of the Trinity. The the undivided, the holy and undivided Trinity. This is what is that's what's going on. This is what was done as a treaty. And so what's happening now? They turn their back on God. Yeah, that's why we're losing. Well, I'm, I'm encouraging my fellow brothers and sisters to get off the tail ends, and uh, you know we really need to get even more active. Um, I, I totally agree because the gates will not prevail if we organize and move forward. We'll win. That's right. That's it. Yeah. But so here's the question: Why are the Christians not uh, mobilizing? Why are the Christians? Um, Apathetic. Well, why are the well, pastors I, and teachers not teaching what needs to be taught? Maybe it's because it's premillennial. Premillennialism is, is a dominant view, which says the kingdom of Christ is not now, but later. Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. Uh, that could be it too, because I, I have talked to some some of my fellow brothers and sisters about, and they say, well, this is this is all happening because it's, it's been preordained. You know, it's in the book of Revelation. And, and I say, no, you're reading it wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I think the dispensationalist um, has uh, has really done a lot of damage. Well, yeah, here's the thing. Technically speaking, yes, it's preordained. But people don't understand what that means. They kind of 
get the idea that preordination means this is what God wants you to happen, and it's just going to happen, and you can't do anything about it because he wants this bad stuff to happen. That's not what it means. Preordained means in the sovereign plan of God, this has been allowed to occur because it can't occur unless God gives it permission to occur. That's what it means by, by ordination. But also, it could be preordained that we stand up, unite, and fight as we're supposed to do according to the Scripture. And that would be preordained, too. See, so many people use the scriptures as a reason to do nothing. They do the opposite of what it says. You know, Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow after me. How many Christians are doing that? Go make disciples of all nations. How many Christians are doing that? Pre-trib rapture, let's get out. Uh, Pre-millennialism, it'll all happen later. So worry about it. Don't worry about it now. It's just the way it is. It's going to get bad, and then we're going to get raptured out. This is the kind of stuff that makes people apathetic and weak. It's exactly what the enemy wants. Right, yeah. Why why do anything if we're going to get raptured out? I guess, you know. um. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that if you believe in a rapture, you know, pre-trib rapture, you're wrong. But, sheesh, you know, uh, we're supposed to be... Uh, we're supposed to be fighting against the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That means the church has to be moving forward. You know, I was listening to the radio. I was doing running errands today, and um, and it was uh, somebody was talking about something. It was a political thing, and they said uh, the abortion, uh, the pro-choice group, blah blah blah. And this is on a conservative uh, website, a conservative news thing. They're saying the uh, the pro-choice people, and I'm saying don't say pro-choice, say pro-abortion. You know why is it? It just gets me. Why is it that people give up so easily and let the, the wicked prosper, let the wicked have their ways? That's even a little way that they should, we should not allow. Oh, partners instead of husbands and wives. Pro-choice instead of killing the babies. You know, we need to fight for righteousness whether people like it or not. Hey, buddy, there's a break. we got to go. All right? Talk to you okay. later, man. Thanks, Matt. God bless. All right. For open lines, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's see. We have three open lines. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Dana from Liberty, Indiana, I guess. Welcome. You're on the air. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I, I've been a pastor for 24 and a half years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a pre-tribber. As a matter of fact, I, I really, the pre-trib view really kind of sets me off because they break all kinds of rules of hermeneutics. Yes. Um, I'm not sure why we allow us to break the rules of hermeneutics when it comes to end-time teachings, her- eschatology. Um, I'm a are you familiar with the pre-wrath position? A little bit. Go ahead. I'm sorry? Yes, a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, that's the position I adhere to. Um, I'm not sure why we allow the sim- uh, symbolism, the reading in the scriptures, um, you know, the, 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 the passages, the four primary ones pre-trippers use are, are a joke because they don't teach a pre-trip rapture at all um and i'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts on why we allow the breaking of the rules of hermeneutics when it comes to uh, eschatology 
First of all, for those who don't know, hermeneutics is the science of interpretation and reading things in context, looking at parallels, uh, cultural context, linguistic context, historical context, etc. And um, it's because I think most people aren't familiar with uh, proper hermeneutical uh, principles. One of the things I've wanted to do is actually write a fourth school for CARM dealing with hermeneutics on how to interpret things. And so one of the things I, I have done this before is use two men in the field, one is taken, one is left, which is a common pre-tribulation rapture verse, which is not. It, it's, it has nothing to do with a pre-trib rapture, and when you put it in context. Right. And so you know, that, that doesn't mean the, the rapture doesn't occur. It's just those verses aren't about it. It's a good example right. of failure, and I believe that they do it because um, we have a habit of filtering information through our worldview. Whatever our worldview is, well, it's the right one, and we all automatically put stuff in place that's consistent with it. So we reform people. I don't know if you're reformed, but I am. Um, I, I'll admit I interpret things through reformed uh, eyeglasses. I wasn't always reformed, but I am right. now. And so uh, if someone says, well, Matt, I don't think you're correct on this, I always just listen. Okay, maybe this person ha is onto something, because I want to make sure that I don't misrepresent something. That, that's all, and I don't say I have all the answers. And this is an attitude we need to have. But I'm finding that a lot of pe people don't. It's like you know, I believe in the continuation of the charismatic gifts. And about a month or so ago, I was on a little right. bit of a online conference, and I was treated badly by Christians. Right. I was before. Right. And, you know, it's like, why? Because people get so embedded in a position, and then they identify with the position more than they do with Jesus in some areas. I, I would agree 100% with what you're saying. Uh, they, they'll go to battle for a, a position rather than Scripture. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a Calvinist, and okay. um, I, I really... Um, think a good example for in my mind anyway between Calvinism and Arminianism is the simple fact that I think Arminians have not number one they've not searched the scriptures deep enough number two um, anytime you read a book on them they tend to espouse their own ideas and thoughts and they leave scripture set aside mm -hmm. that's been my experience anyway mine too they tend to here's an example of something also uh, there's a guy named Leighton Flowers and I want to debate him and uh, he's an Armenian anti-Calvinist and he and I have had discussions I've got his cell number we've met he's a nice enough guy but but uh, we had a discussion about Philippians 129 you know it says there to you it has been granted to believe and I said this is what it says it supports reformed theology he says no it means it's granted you the opportunity to believe and I said you are altering the text to make it fit your theology. He says, no, exactly. I'm not. And it's clearly he was. Clearly. And so people, right. they identify with certain things, and everything has to be filtered through it. Here's the thing. You know, I went to, it's just a little bit of history here. You know, I was raised, you know, a nominal Christian family, whatever. They went to church, they used the Lord's name in vain. I got tricked into being saved I, after I was in the occult for a long time. And then I went to Calvary Chapel. And that and Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, baptized my wife and I. Went to a Baptist church. I went to a Lutheran college, a Presbyterian seminary. And I've worked, I was a pastor yeah. in a CRC, the Christian Reformed Church, a Dutch. I, I, you know what? God casts his net further than I would have. There's people everywhere. Right. So I'm not loyal to any denomination. 
not loyal to any perspective. Right. I want to say, show me scripture. That's what needs to be the case. I don't see it too much in the in the Christian body anymore. Yeah, Sorry, but that's just I, honestly, I think you're one of the very few uh, reformers that I the honestly that I know of who would say he still believes in the gifts. I do too. Um, I, I think I don't display them a lot in my own life, uh, but I think that uh, as Paul says, seek the gifts. Um, and, and the other sort of that thing is God gives us the gifts according to his will. But there again, I think they play that game where they break the rules of hermeneutics. Um, and they read into um, Scripture what they want to see to support themselves. You know, years ago, I was on a discussion. I won't say who it was, but I know who it was. And I was in a discussion with a well-known apologist. And on First Corinthians one seven, uh, where it says you're not to lack any charismatic gift while you're waiting for the return of Christ, and uh, this person gave me an exegesis, or what I thought was an eisegesis, and I said very politely, I said, you know, I I don't think you you got that right. I think you're reading into the text. I, I don't mean to be offensive. I just think you did. And I remember this very clearly. He mm-hmm. said, I take the offense. I remember. Yeah. So you, I was so I, you should be saying, "Well, let me look again here. You know, let me chew this over some more." Yeah, um, I wanted to hear I somebody listening. confront you with your teaching, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate I your time. I just um, wanted to get your thoughts on that. Appreciate you having me okay. on the radio. Well, hey, call back, you know, and and uh, you, know, you and I are <laughs> cut from the same uh, the same cloth because uh, we have the same attitude and. Someone in the uh, chat mm-hmm. here said something really nice. He says, uh, I'm a six-point Calvinist. Is that a five? Is a six-point. The sixth point is that you don't have to believe all of the first five points to be my brother or sister in Christ. That is good. <laughs> right. That, right. That's really I, I good. I with that. Yeah, Randall yeah. Uh, said that. Yeah. Randall Dobbins. That was, that's good. And so I'm gonna, I want to copy that yeah. because it's really good. Yeah. That would be a good T-shirt. Yeah. Hint, Charlie. Charlie's listening. Right. All right. Right. Well, good. Well, there's so much scripture to support all that, so. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, thank you again. Sure. Well, God bless. All right, brother. God bless, Dana. Okay. All right. Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, we have four open lines, 877-207-2276. Roger from North Carolina. <clears throat> Welcome. You're on the air. Hey, how we doing, Matt? Doing okay. Hanging in there. What do you got, man? My question is... Uh, Oops. Since, There's a break. Right. Oh, I want to know your question, so... But I've... I, oh, you got a break, so hold on, okay? We'll get right back, brother. And we'll get back to you. And uh, just please hold. Hey, folks, we have four open lines. Give me a call. 877-207-2276. Be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want, you can give me a call. All you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. I just want to remind you that we're having an end-of-year's matching fund drive through the end of the month. If you support us with anything new, well, then it'll be doubled. So whatever you support with, just think of it as uh, twice as much. 
So if you give 10, it'll become 20. And uh, we do need that support, so we're just asking that you would consider supporting us at $5 a month. All you got to do is go to carm.org, C-A-R-M.org forward slash donate. We would really appreciate it. People are doing it, and my wife says, yep, because she checks. She goes, yep, it's coming in. I want to thank all of you who have supported us and will continue to support us. It's a big help, and this is uh, for the effort of furthering the kingdom of God. And it's, it's one of the many ways that God has ordained through his body uh, for the preaching and the teaching of his gospel. If you want to support that work of God through varying peoples, varying, varying peoples, people, then all you're going to do is well, consider supporting us. Carm.org forward slash donate, and that would be a huge help. Let's get to... Back, or back to Roger from North Carolina. Welcome. You're on the air. How we doing, man? Doing all right, man. My, in there. my question is: is uh, in Act Two and Acts Four, it says God planned and predestined the, you know, the the murder of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So, yes. those men that uh, did that to Jesus was that murder, or, or they just killed him? They were, they were murderers. So they murdered him. Yeah, because he did. There was okay. no just legal reason to do it. There was nothing in the scriptures uh, that uh, they could use to say that he uh, had had committed a, a sin worthy of death. They accused him of blasphemy, which was punishable by death in the Old Testament. But he never blasphemed. So they had sinned in it, and because of it, they murdered him. Okay. Have you ever heard the idea that since Jesus laid down his life and he gave it up, you know, and God planned it, that they only killed him because he was a sacrifice? And has you ever heard sure. anything like that? Of course. And because God had planned that in the rebellion of those wicked people that he had ordained would occur, that they then did what he said would occur, ordained would occur, and yet at the same time they are the ones who are responsible. Acts 2.23, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. So the blame goes upon them. So people don't, they don't think through these things very well a lot of times, and I have to deal with this sometimes with atheists who will ask these kind of questions. Well, if God foreordained it, and he's the one who ordained it, then he's the cause of it. Nope, because we get into the issue of, of, uh, of indirect and, and direct causation, and how God can certainly permit things and ordain certain things, and yet his hands are clean, they're washed from any sin that people would have committed. But nobody can do anything unless it's by God's will. And by the will, we mean by his direct or indirect will, by his permission he permits people to rebel against him. So he knows exactly how all things are to work. And it's and also, a lot of discussions have been had about this kind of thing in Christian circles. And largely, we just say, we don't have all the answers. Because we don't. We're dealing with the things of God. But we know what the scriptures say. God ordained it, yet they were responsible. And then how we work that out, that is uh, worth a, a big discussion. Would you say the same thing as God planned it for like uh, Joseph and his brothers? It was more yes. than just allowing, and God kind of planned it to use that, right? Yeah, Genesis fifty twenty. Uh, you meant it for evil; God meant it for good. Now, how can God mean it for something? See, an illustration I give is: you have a piece of paper, and it's blank. There's no lines. There's nothing on it. In the middle, you draw, you put a little dot. That's God, and then you draw a squiggly line out to the edge, and that's a potential universe with all the events that can occur into it. 
Well, none of the, this isn't real yet. God's just thinking about potentials. And you draw another one, another one, another line out to the, you could draw a thousand of these squiggly lines out to the edges of the entire piece of paper. And each one represents a possible existence, all of which events are included in each particular line. But these are all known in the mind of God. And on one particular line, a certain person does a certain thing because that's what they choose to do. But they couldn't do it unless God brought them into existence. They couldn't do it unless the circumstances that God brought into existence were there. But they could freely do it anyway. So God chooses one out of all of those lines of, of possible existences to come into existence, which means then everything in it is ordained. But yet, at the same time, in that, the people do what they desire to do. But they can't do it unless God's given them the ability to do what they desire to do. But they can't even do that unless he's arranged that they exist in order to do it in the world that he created. So he ordains whichever shall come to pass, Ephesians 1.11. God works all things after the counsel of his will. But as it says in, in um, Acts 4.27-28, that these people, by the predetermined plan of God, they put Jesus to death. And yet, in Acts 2.23, they're the ones responsible. This is a tough one, but this is how it works in Christianity. Okay. So you would say God can even plan and ordain sin to happen and declare it to happen, but in such a way that the men do what they want to do, but in God's not responsible. So he's, God's not sick. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yep. Are you a Christian or what? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay. What I just somebody somebody uh, I go to uh, Grace. It's a Reformed Baptist church. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Um, somebody so, just, you know, had this idea. I was talking to them about it, and they're like, well, you know, God may have planned it, but they didn't murder Jesus. They killed him because God can't ordain sin or murder no, or stuff like that to happen. No, 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 it doesn't work. No, they don't understand. And with respect, you know, I would I tell people this. Say, I, I just say to them, no disrespect meant, but you don't have a sufficient understanding of the theology behind the idea of ordination and causation and relationships. And I said, not being insulting, it's just it's a new concept, and we can work with it. I can t I can teach it to you, and I've done this before, where I have to work with people. And, you know, Ephesians one eleven says God uh, works all things after the counsel of His will, all things. This means the atheist who curses God. This means the person who murdered that guy. It means the blessing of, of someone helping a little old lady cross the street. All of it is ordained by God. It works after the counsel of his will. But the ordination does not mean he has a direct hand on every event because he's not going to force somebody to do something sinful. That's the, A lot of times these Christians don't understand this. You know, God does not put your hand, take your hand, put it on the gun, put his finger on your finger, and pull the trigger, and then blame you. That's what they're trying to say. And when they say, well, it's not murder, it's just killing, well, what they don't understand is God isn't the one who killed them. They did. They're the ones who drove the nails through Jesus' hands and feet. They're the ones who beat him and did these things. God didn't do it. They're the efficient cause of their own actions. They are generated out of their own hearts and their own minds. And so they are the ones uh, responsible for their own actions. Because if you're going to be consistent, they have to be consistent. If they want to say, no, it's not murder, it's just killing, then you, how are you held responsible for your own sin? Since if God has ordained that people even sin, well, then how can they be held responsible? Because of what God wanted them to do. So there's no sin. Because there's no murder. It's just killing, then there's no sin because it's just doing what God wants. Then he go, how can God send people to hell? And so they're not thinking these things through. They're not thinking their things through. Okay?
Yeah, this discussion came up with uh, Isaiah 46, I believe, where God declares the end from the beginning. That's that's pretty much everything in time. <laughs> well, yeah. Which God do they serve? Who do they think God is? And I talk to Christians about this. I say, and I try to politely. I say, look, who do you think he is? Do you think he's the blonde-haired, like, Caucasian surfer dude dressed in a woman's nightgown, standing at the door of your heart asking permission? To, you know, to do something, or is he the God who, from all eternity, knows all things that are, were potentially uh, possible to exist because they could only exist if he were to bring it into existence, and he had an infinite number of possibilities that he knew about and ordained one set. This is the God of Christianity, and that in this one set, he ordained that he would become one of them and work in the world, and yet he's sovereign over the world while he's in the world. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about God creating the universe and then creating the garden of Adam and Eve and putting Adam and Eve in there and allowing Satan to come in, and yet it was Adam and Eve who freely chose to rebel. No one caused them to. Therefore, they are responsible for their own actions. God simply put everything in place, and then they chose. Well, that means he set them up. You can call it whatever you want. But the fact is, they made their own choice. And they are responsible for their own choice, particularly since God instructed them what not to do. And then they freely chose to do it. Did God force them to? And I asked a Christian, well, no. Then who's responsible? What they want to do, even Christians, sometimes want to blame God. Man, I'll tell you, yeah. you better be careful. You better be careful. Yeah, I say... That's right. Go ahead. The uh, uh, the part that kind of got him is what I went to uh, Pharaoh in Romans nine, where it says, you know, you know, God told him to let his people go, but then he hardened his heart to, you know, to stop right. him from doing it. And it's like, well, how can he do that? That's not fair. Uh, you know what I mean? Not fair. So they're in touch with a universal concept of fairness that they're applying to God now. That's what you're saying. Exactly. That's not fair. Yeah, I don't know if you. Okay, well, I'm going to put you on hold. If you want to hang up, go ahead, and I'll try you after the break. And if you're back there, we'll continue to talk. If not, no big deal. We'll have uh, three open lines: eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick live, taking your calls at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Just want to let you know the last segment of this hour for this Friday that uh, we do need your support. Please consider uh, just going to karm.org forward slash donate. And we ask $5 a month. And if you donate anything, then uh, whatever you donate this month will be matched. It'll be doubled. So that is what I'm letting you know about. And it's easy to do. Just go to karm.org forward slash donate. And it's very helpful. We do need it. And uh, please consider that. All right. Let's see. Um, Roger, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. All right, man. All right, so where were we? Did you want to follow up on anything? Cause we kind of ran out of time there. Yeah, I think uh, I think the question comes down that he's asking is, if God declares everything that comes to pass, and it's going to come to pass because God declares it, and like even like Pharaoh, when Pharaoh was told to uh, let his people go, and God hardened his heart so he could the question is, he's asking is, why is that fair? Kind of like the Romans 9 question. Yes. Um, well, when people say it's... When they, excuse me. When people ask the question, how is that fair? 
what they inadvertently are doing is saying that there is another standard of righteousness apart from God that is motivating their question. If the truth is that God has revealed himself in the scriptures, there are going to be things about him that are going to be difficult to deal with because he's infinite. What people want to do is submit God to their own understanding. And they want God to satisfy their desires and their needs and their intellectual ability. God doesn't do that. He declares it from the beginning. That's what he does. So when they say, well, that's not fair, well, on what standard is it not fair? What, what, what do you mean? It's not fair for God to harden someone's heart? Why, why is that not fair? Please tell me. And they only have two possibilities. You see, if they're going to, well, three possibilities. If they're going to use the God of Christianity, well, then to ask why it's fair would be redundant or be self-refuting because it automatically is fair if God does it. But if they're going to say, well, there's something besides God, a universal truth principle of morality that is out there, then are they in touch with that? They're going to apply God to it, and now God submitted to what they think is what should be fair? Well, that's ridiculous. And then there's the other option is, well, their personal preferences, they don't like it. Well, if they don't like it, that's fine. They don't have to like it. But their subjective opinion doesn't mean God is obligated or is not obligated to do anything. What we're trying to show is that people don't have a right they don't have a justification for saying what is right and what is wrong and what God ought to do or what God ought not to do. They like to elevate themselves and say, that's not fair. I'll tell you what's fair, God. That's what even the Christians do. When they reject Romans chapter 9, 9 through 23, they don't like it. They don't like God's sovereignty over man. They want their own. It's the Edenic lie echoing down through the centuries into the hearts of all people the Edenic lie you will be like gods knowing good and evil you will decide what it is that's the Edenic lie and we Christians are not immune from it okay yeah I think a lot of it has to do with tradition too what you've been taught when you grow up and then you start hearing people say you know well this is not the way it is if you read the Bible and you start bringing that up and it just it's foreign to them, which is crazy. Yeah. The God of the Bible is foreign to them. <laughs> a lot. It is because they serve the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Caucasian surfer Jesus. It's idolatrous. You know, I, what I'll do sometimes is trick people. And I'll say, you know, I believe that God would even create the, the evil, even for the day of, 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 of destruction. And they go, no, he would never do that. And I said, I just quoted you, Proverbs 16, 4. The Lord made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. I said, there it is. He says, you didn't even know what it was. And I quoted it. And you reject it because you have your own standard of righteousness. This is something in the church that needs to be um, needs to be uh, gotten rid of. And when I go to seminars or I teach in Bible studies, when I'm asked, not very frequently am I ever asked to do this, but to go into a study and just... Uh, mess them up where I say I, I can I can say to I can say to any group I can mess you up on any doctrine that you believe well within reason I'm not going to deny the essentials and I say for the purpose though of showing you that there are other positions and that maybe uh, the competence of understanding needs to be improved and let's say I get all the answers but I can do this I've been I've done it a few times over the years and at Bible studies and uh, 
and they say, hey, you're Matt Slick, you come over and do this, and I do, and I mess them up fast, and they're surprised. And I say, the reason is because you're not being taught, in my opinion, sufficiently the scope of understanding of varying things, so that it's, it shouldn't be that easy to, to, uh, to mess you up, you know? Like my favorite is two men in the field, one is taken, one is left. That's a rapture, right? Oh, yeah, that's a rapture. Reading the context and so there, it's not, not at all. And they're surprised or shocked. They say, why is it that the pastors are teaching this and they can't get it right? And it's not what it is. And they're doing it for decades. They're not examining the word sufficiently there. Why? And other things that go like this. At any rate. Yeah. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome, man. God bless, Roger. Have a great weekend. Okay. All right. Good night. All right. Yeah, I've done that. I have done that before in groups, particularly online, when Christians are going to say, hey, you guys want, I'll mess you up. And they laugh and they go, okay, let's do it. And I mess them up. They go, man, you weren't kidding. I go, I know. All right. Let's get on with Jamal from North Carolina. Jamal, welcome, buddy. You're on the air. Hey, brother Slick. How are you doing today, sir? By God's grace, doing well. That's right. Good, good. Um, let's see. Uh, I had a question that I heard from a pastor, uh, my radio pastor. Uh, he said that uh, he doesn't believe that Jesus felt pain while he was on the cross. I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, uh, that's wrong. That uh, felt pain. I'm writing this out. Of course, he felt pain uh, because he's a human. Right. So, so Jesus has two distinct natures: God and man. And uh, so on the cross, he would have felt everything that a biologically structured human male would have felt if he was struck, if he was pushed, if, if he was had a nail driven through his wrist. He would have felt it because that's what right. normal humans do and are. Now, if he wants to say, no, that's part of the fall, he was not fallen, pain's part of the fall, I'd say, show me in the Bible where it says pain's part of the fall. Are you telling me that if Adam was before the fall and stubbed his toe, that he wouldn't have felt anything? Because if that's the case, right. he'll keep stubbing his toe and he'll damage himself. That's what pain is for. It's, it's yeah. good. It, it warns us. So, you know, this is the kind of logic we're going to go through. Okay. Okay. All right. That that, that makes sense. It was a pretty uh, quick and slick uh, question today, but I still wanted to <laughs> run it by you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One more thing, um, sure. just, just for the, the the listener audience, I've donated to Matt Slick before. I plan on doing it again, especially during the matching challenge. And also, Mister Slick, I sent you an email about some ideas on uh, to you know generate some uh, some more donations or income. And if you type up uh, my name Jamal, you'll find that email I sent it a while ago. I uh, just wanted to uh, see what your thoughts uh, were on that email. Did you put your phone number and stuff for email? Well, it'd be in there, wouldn't it? But, so I'm looking. I don't see. Well, I'll do a, a broader search later, but I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Okay. Okay. Because we're always sounds good. We, 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 I'll just send it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If I don't email you soon, like in the next day or two or three, then just email me again, and then call me up on the radio and go, "Why didn't you answer my email?" And I'll beg forgiveness. Okay. Yes, sir. Most definitely. All right. And if I don't talk to you then, I hope you have a merry Christmas and you and your family. You too, man. God bless, brother. All right. Bye. Bye. 
All right, there you go. Now, look, we've got about five minutes or so, four minutes left in the show. I want to get to a hate mail because people say, why did you not do a hate mail? And so I want to do one hate mail, I think. I've just got one. I don't, I'm going to check it out. Let's see. New hate mail. Here we go. Let's see. Interesting how you mock and downplay the, the above when then uplift NU. King James onlyism, Textus Receptus, Masoretic Text. Okay, mocking our Creator will re- reap His wrath. What? What are you talking about? As we can, as we can be seen by large, as can be seen by large numbers of critical text people. Remember, Herod Agrippa, how he lost all the perspective and was no more. You know, I'm hoping for good hate mail. Let's see. I've been struggling ever since my I left my church two years ago, struggling with spirituality, the character and heart of God, the importance and reality of love in this world. Well, that's been coming up lately in some um, discussions I've been having and some other stuff. I ended up at your website by mistake when trying to find something else. Uh, if anyone knew, if if anyone knew has received a Burning Times Award, Anyway, but now I have been to your wonderful website. I'd like to nominate you for one, a Burning Times Award. Oh, good. This is good hate mail. It's usually given to a politician that makes a remark that goes against the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Let's see. Most of your website that I have seen so far does this. (laughs) What? How does my website go against the First Amendment of of freedom of religious expression and belief? I'm doing exactly what the Constitution says. I guess if you disagree with somebody, that violates the First Amendment. It's a liberal. Oh, you take an x-ray of a liberal's brain. I wonder if they would see, like, leaking areas or the, 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 the leaking is coming out of their brain or something. Because, you know, it's like uh, all their, their, their sockets are loose you know, and their gaskets are cracked. He goes on, if you would like to learn the truth about some of the religions, you are doing a great job of misinforming others about to learn. How do you see? Look, people tell me you don't know about this one religion, but I've only studied it for 20 years. I say, how do you know what the truth is? I've had people tell me this, you know, and I tell what Mormonism teaches. They say, no, that's not what Mormonism teaches. Yes, it is. It's got documentation from their own sources. And, uh, you know, that happens a lot. So people will say, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, then show me. You document from their their sources, whatever it is, you document it to me, send it to me. And I am hoping that does happen because if I am wrong, well, then they're helping me get it even better. I don't have a problem with that. But they don't do it. Okay, I think one person did once and it didn't accomplish what they hoped. If you would like to learn more about blah, 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 blah. Okay, I, w- I would like to see you nominated for this uh, stupid award or whatever it is. Please check out my favorite website. And then he gives a website. Oh, I've been to that website. And it is just uh, a neutral, secular-based website that tries to analyze things and does not have the truth of God's Word. Anyway, thank you for taking time to read this. And I'm th- I am thankful not every Christian on the planet feels like Karm does towards those other beliefs. Well, I'll tell you what. What I believe is that Jesus is the only way. He's God in flesh, second person of the Trinity. He died on the cross for our sins. 
And if you do not trust, put your faith in him, and you follow a God like Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses or Muslims, whatever it is, you will go to eternal damnation upon your death because you've rejected the true and living God. And if you add baptism to salvation, you add ceremonies, you add the means of grace by which you maintain your salvation with God, and on the day of judgment you will join the others in damnation because you've rejected the true gospel. That's what I believe. Now, if I'm wrong, show me from the Bible. Show me from God's Word. And if you can't, well, I'm not going to take you seriously. There you go, folks. We're out of time. May the Lord bless you. Please remember supporting us. We do need it. Carm.org forward slash donate. And um, we ask $5 a month. It'll be matched for the rest of the month for this year. Matching funds drive. I hope you will consider supporting us. I hope you have a great weekend, too. May the Lord bless you. And by His grace, we'll be back on the air on Monday. We'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend, everyone. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.